welcome to Smarten Up, the show where we demystify the complex world of tax and provide practical business insights. I'm your host, Sally Preston. As a business owner, I know how frustrating it can be when it seems hard to access understandable information, particularly when the topic is as complex as the tax law. So in this podcast, we will explore topics to help you make smarter decisions when it comes to your business taxes, which will ultimately benefit your bottom line. Whether you are starting up in business or have been in business for years, this podcast aims to become an essential part of your financial toolkit. Welcome to Smarten Up, the tax and business podcast. My name is Sally Preston and I'll be your host. So today we're talking about different structures for your business and the different structures you could use. We're going to give you the pros and cons of the different structures and some examples of what might suit your business. But what do I mean by structure? Well, you've all heard of a company, right? This is just one type of structure. You may also use trusts, be in a partnership, operate as a sole trader, or operate in a joint venture, or sometimes any combination of those. But let's first talk about the key things to consider when choosing this structure. So there's often a number of factors, but sometimes they're not aligned with each other. So you may have to weigh up one against the other. So let's go through them. So think about whether you're currently going to have a third-party investor, so a non-related party investor, or whether you think you might in the future. That could determine your structure. Think about asset protection, so protecting your valuable assets. That might mean keeping valuable assets in a structure that's separate from operating business risks. There might be tax benefit to factor in. There also could be thoughts around the way the profits in the business are going to be managed. So would you like to be able to retain the profits in your business and reinvest it? Or is the plan to take out all the profits every year? Taking into account company structures, there's different tax rates. Thinking about what type of assets in the future and expansion plans is a big factor. Think about the flexibility and the simplicity. So they're all things that we weigh up when deciding what the right structure for your business might be. So which one do you choose? Well, there's several of the factors that we've talked about, but let's discuss in more detail later which one might be right for your business. Right now, let's explain the different structures you might use. So a company. There are a couple of different types of companies you're probably more common with. One is a proprietary limited company and most oftenly privately owned. Then there are limited companies, which are the ones that you'll see listed on a stock exchange. They might not always be listed, but they're a different type of company. One thing to be aware of is that a company is a separate legal and tax entity. This means for your purposes as the business owner, you really need to treat it as separate from you. So the corporation's law and the company constitution govern how the company is to operate, in particular with things like paying dividends, issuing shares, and so on. For tax purposes, treating that company separately is really important when you interact with the company. So for example, if you were to draw money out of the company without paying it as a dividend, there can be tax consequences. This can be hard for a start business owners to get their head around, but it's something to be mindful of. There are a lot of advantages in using a company structure for your business. One is that it is a separate legal entity, so it can enter into contracts in its own right. Companies offer limited liability and the shareholders' liability is generally limited to any unpaid amounts on the shares issued. So that's a win. That's offering that degree of separation between you and your business that you might need. Generally, shareholders and directors are not exposed to those business risks 
unless they have provided personal guarantees. If shares are owned by discretionary trusts, we'll talk about those soon, there can also be flexibility to distribute dividends to different beneficiaries in your family group. A company structure allows a full or partial change in ownership of the entity. So we can transfer shares to another party in the future, or we can issue more shares should we want to bring that external investor in. The company can also reinvest its profits back into itself without having to pay it out to the shareholders first. So if there are profits, we pay the company tax rate, the company keeps the profits and can reinvest it, which will be different from some of the other structures we're going to talk about too. But there's not all just advantages to a company, there's some disadvantages. One is that there are higher costs to set it up when compared with other structures. The other is that you are subject to greater regulatory compliance requirements. So ASIC, for example, will require you to comply with the corporation's law. Directors can be exposed to personal risk in certain circumstances, and they're usually mandated by law. So often we'll, we'll have the shareholder being different from the director and the company for that reason. A company requires a greater understanding of the business and how a company operates and your responsibilities as director. There can be capital gains tax downsides to a company. For example, a company can't access the 50% general discount. There may be tax issues for you as a shareholder or for you as a business owner when, if you do draw money out of that company without paying a dividend. The small business CGT concessions become a, a lot more complicated when we start to transfer shares in companies. So that's something to be mindful of. Now, where the company makes a loss, and particularly a tax loss, that loss is trapped in, trapped in the company. So if you're expecting your company to be in losses for a number of years and thinking it's going to offset other sources of income, that's not going to happen on a standalone basis. It's going to require some other planning. But the loss stays in the company. If a shareholder dies, though, the company assets and liabilities do not form part of the estate. Now, that could be an advantage or a disadvantage. But if you're planning on using your business, thinking that's part of your estate if you die, it's not the shares that are held in a company are, but of course that depends on who the shareholder is and if you personally hold those shares. So you need to factor that in when you're doing that estate and succession planning as well. So let's talk about a privately owned company because it's what a lot of businesses in Australia and the two different company tax rates. So we do have a 30% tax rate that a lot of people are thinking is just for the bigger companies and that we'll call it the small company tax rate. But not all small companies can access this lower tax rate. So it depends on the nature of the activities and the income being generated by each company. So when a company generates more than 80% of its income from passive sources, such an investment portfolio, rental income and interest, then it will generally be subject still to that 30% tax rate. So it's the active businesses that are more likely to get the lower corporate tax rate. All right. So we're going to talk about trusts next. Now, trust is something that I think confuses a lot of people. But it does exist in a lot of people's structures. So a trust is obligation imposed on a person or other entity to hold property for the benefit of the beneficiaries. Now, get you, let you get your head around that. So what that means is a trust is like a promise. So the trustee holds whatever assets the trust has, and that might be your business. It holds that asset for the benefit of the beneficiaries that are listed in the trust deed. So in legal terms, the trust is not a separate legal entity and trusts are treated, but trusts are treated as separate taxpayers for tax purposes. So that's a bit confusing, but what it means is the trustee is responsible for managing the trust tax affairs and the trust does have to lodge a tax return. The trustee lodges it on its behalf, but 
for legal purposes, the trust cannot be buying property. It's the trustee that will be the legal owner and it will hold that property as trustee for the beneficiaries of the trust and that's how a trust operates. So the advantages of, we'll talk about a discretionary trust first, the main advantage of a trust structure, whether either in business or just for investment, is the flexibility it provides and that's why we still see so many of them. The controllers of the trust have the total flexibility depending on the terms of the deed in relation to how they distribute the income and capital on a year-to-year basis or even when the trust is wound up. So subject to these terms of the deed, they can choose who in the family group, for example, receives the dividends, who receives the capital gains, and that can change year on year. So provided there is a corporate trustee, what the trust can do is still offer that limited liability. So because it's the trustee that's the one that's taken to be legally responsible for the actions that are undertaken in the trust, then if that's a company, we've still got that capped liability we have as a company, which is why we often put, more often than not, put a company as the trustee of a discretionary trust. Now, trusts have the one advantage over companies is in that they are entitled to the 50% general discount. So that's that's a big thing in the tax sphere. Having said that, though, let's go through some disadvantages of trusts. One is that it is complex to understand, and a lot of people that have trusts and a lot of advisors also don't fully understand how the trust works. It also requires a lot of maintenance to make sure that you are complying with the terms of the trust deed. That's things like making sure the people you're distributing income to are actually, or the entities, are actually beneficiaries of the trust. So reading the deed becomes really important. So there's a bit of paperwork and trust. The beneficiaries of the trust do not, of a discretionary trust, don't have a fixed interest. So there's not a person that can say, I'm owed, I'm entitled to 50% of the profits in a year. Until the trustee determines that, there is no fixed entitlement to the income or capital of the trust. There's another type of trust I want to raise, and that's a unit trust. And a unit trust might be used in circumstances where they're not all family members. So a unit trust can give a more fixed entitlement. So you can hold units in the unit trust similar to holding shares in a company. It has some of the benefits of the trust being it's accessing the 50% general discount, but it also has the paperwork behind it, which means you still need to understand a trust deed, but there is a fixed entitlement and the units in the unit trust can actually be transferred. So the unit holder has the right, subject to conditions of the trust agreement, to transfer those interests because it has a fixed entitlement. Now, it does have a downside that a discretionary trust has, and they both have the same, is that unless 100% of the profit, the taxable income of the trust is distributed every year, the trustee is going to pay tax and it's going to pay tax at the highest marginal tax rate. So that's a big downside. So a trust, if it's operating a business, won't have that ability. Well, it'll be not tax favorable to not distribute all the income every year in the trust. So if you want to reinvest, it needs to go out and come back in. Partnerships. Now, a partnership, I'm going to talk about partnerships and joint ventures together just for keeping this simple. But a general law, a partnership is defined in terms of a relationship between people carrying on business in common with a view to profit. So a partnership must be carrying on business at general law to be considered a legal partnership. For tax purposes, the definitions are a little different. A partnership means an association of persons carrying on business as partners or a receipt of ordinary income or statutory income jointly, but does not include a company. So this includes mum and dads that hold real estate together, technically considered a partnership because they're holding an asset to derive income jointly. 
So a partnership is also not a separate legal entity. They're still required to lodge tax returns. However, they do not pay the income tax. What happens is instead, the profits of the partnership are taxed in the hands of the partners, depending on who or what entity that is. The partners that slice their share of the income or loss in their own tax returns, there's therefore limited ability to split the income if the partners are individuals. But if the partners, for example, were a discretionary trust, and we can see how we can start morphing different structures to come up with some different ways to solve some of the downsides of some of these structures. Now, it's interesting to note that if a partnership disposes of a capital gains tax asset, it's the partners who have the capital gain, not the partnership. So it's a, a bit of a difference. The partnership, depending on who the partners are, will can therefore access the 50% discount. Now, the partners and the partnership are companies. They're not going to be able to access that 50% general discount. So the advantage of partnership are they can be used for short-term projects because they're cheaper to set up. They create a shared responsibility and purpose. They're governed by the partnership agreement. So there's less external governance to a partnership. They can be simple and pretty flexible. The disadvantage, though, is that there is joint and several liability of the partners. And what this means is that if end partners do not have enough money or assets to pay their share of the partnership debt, then the other partners can be held responsible for that. So that can be a downside because that there is a joint and several liability. There is generally no asset protection, meaning the partner's personal assets may need to be may need to be used to repay business debts. So if the partner itself has assets, that can be a massive risk if it's exposed to debts to partnership. There are some capital gains tax advantages and disadvantages, and we've talked about a couple of those. The other thing about partnership is that if a partner decides to leave, it can be quite tricky because generally a partner is taken to hold a portion of every asset of the partnership. So when they leave, the continuity of the partnership becomes an issue or a question, something to certainly be looked at. It's also difficult to transfer your interest in a partnership as distinct from transferring shares in a company. That requires a lot more work. So the simplest form of structure I want to talk to you about is a sole trader, and that is you operating as a business owner. So that will require you to get an ABN. Um, you might need to register for GST depending on your turnover. Uh, and there's generally no legal structure. So it's really cheap and easy to set up. And this is where a lot of people, particularly people who are in trades, generally start. So there's a lot less regulation. And basically all the income losses of the, of the business are yours because you're the sole operator. The disadvantages of it though are, are that you're exposed personally to those business risks. There's not a degree of separation between you and the business. It is you. So in some cases, also a disadvantage is that the structure is really hard to bring other people into the business. You'd have to change the structure to give them an equitable right in the business. So you've near a form of partnership, you might need to roll your business into a company and all those things are worth looking at and possible, but that's worth being aware of. There's also no ability to manage your tax rate. So that's a big disadvantage. So whatever profits you make, you pay your individual marginal tax rates before you sort of reinvest it. So you can leak that full amount of tax first before the money can be reinvested in your equipment and and like the business. So they're the ones I want to talk to you about today. But how do you choose from those? Well, let me run you through some examples to show you how we might use those different structures in a business. So how much want to start up a new business? They intend to acquire a factory for manufacturing baseball hats. They'll be investing heavily in machinery and need staff to run the operation, undertake marketing, etc. So what structure could they use and why? Well, they have a number of options. They could acquire the property in a trust because then if they sell the property, they're going to have access to 50% CGT discount. Would they also want to operate the business? 
and own the plant in the same trust, there could be some downside to doing this. So if something does go wrong in the business, then the plant and the that a land would be subject or be exposed to to that business risk. So you might want to keep it separate from the business as soon as you've got those really valuable assets. Putting the business in the trust means the inability to retain profits. So what we might do instead is put the operating business in a company. We might use a separate entity, so a trust for our valuable assets, and there'd be an agreement for the use of those assets by the operating business. Now, this is intended to be a pretty simple example. But the question is with the company, who is the shareholder? You might use a discretionary family trust given they're a family group and that might give you the most flexibility for distributions and a like going forward depending on the family circumstances. Using a company for the business means also you can bring in other partners or other shareholders in the future. So if you've got key employees you want to bring into the business, a company will let you do that. Now, having the assets in a trust might be problematic from that. So instead you might actually even put those in, in, in a company as well. But think about all these factors being weighed up before you choose your structure. So as a business evolves and as your plans change, we rarely set and forget on a business structure. So what you have one day might evolve very quickly or it might take time. Before we wrap up though, I wanted to talk about a bigger push towards companies. So in recent years, what we've seen in the market is a lot of business owners are moving out of doing everything in trusts that they may have done 10, 20, 30 years ago are doing a lot more in companies. So the main reason for this is that the company does offer the ability to bring in those external investors and external shareholders. The profits in the company can be taxed at either 30% or 25%, which allows that reinvestment. And so long as any money taken by the shareholders is paid out as a dividend, it's really not problematic from an operating purpose. There's also a change of attitudes of purchases towards buying a share in a company. So I think that through the process of we call it due diligence, which is going through and checking all the skeletons in the closet before someone buys shares in a company, there seems to be a lot more preference or a lot more happiness with buying someone's company from them. Often we do have that company shareholder though being a discretionary trust to offer all the advantages and flexibilities a discretionary trust does have. Now, having a, a company structure also allows us to have different companies doing different businesses and to separate different risks. And there's some structures we can use, including using a tax consolidated group to streamline using multiple entities in your business. So there's some, some quite big advantages to operating a company, and we are seeing a lot more people work towards that. But that's getting a bit complicated, and it is dependent on your business. But all I wanted to wrap up today with was there's a lot of structures. Please get some help before you choose your structure. And when you want to change a structure, that's when you're definitely going to need some help. So my name is Sally Preston. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smarten Up, the tax and business podcast. And we will talk to you on the next episode. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Smarten Up, tax and business. I hope you found the information valuable as you navigate your entrepreneurial journey. If you did, please leave us a review and share the podcast with your fellow business owners. Remember, what we've talked about today is not a substitute for getting formal advice from an accountant or lawyer that is more specific to your circumstances. But knowledge is power when it comes to getting your taxes right, and it can also save you a buttload of money too.